welcome back. We're on lesson number four of Praying Men of the Bible. Uh, this lesson will be focusing on Moses, the mighty intercessor. Uh, Bishop Handley C.G. Moule said, Intercessory prayer is a powerful means of grace to the praying man. Martin observes that at times of inward dryness and depression, he had often found a delightful revival in the act of praying for others for their conversion or sanctification or prosperity in the work of the Lord. His dealing with God for them about these gifts and blessings were for himself the divinely natural channel of a renewed insight into his own part and lot in Christ, into Christ as his own rest and power, into the perfect freedom of an entire yielding of himself to his master for his work. Um, yes, intercessory prayer is a means of grace. And what it does is it gets us off of our problems and it focuses us on what is on Father's heart for that moment. And we're standing in the gap for others. So I want to encourage you, any one of us can be an intercessor. Um, it's not listed in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, we can all develop the gift of intercession and prayer. It's not just for the elite. So if you're here sitting tonight saying, man, I wish I could be an intercessor, you can be just like Moses. And we're going to look at that tonight. Uh, the scripture that we're drawing from is several books of the Bible. As you know, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, including Genesis, but his story unfolds in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, there are hundreds of scriptures of Moses, even in the New Testament. So uh, if you ever want to do a study on the life of Moses, buckle up. It'll, it would take a while to cover everything that is said and written about him, including the things that he wrote. The central truth of our lesson tonight is the more intimate we are with God, the more necessary and vital prayer becomes. The more intimate we are with God, the more necessary and vital prayer becomes. I love how Abraham's life and Moses' life kind of overlap a little bit and parallel one another. Um, because some of those same lessons we see in Abraham's life, we see in Moses' life. So who was Moses? He wasn't just um, a movie of the Ten Commandments by Charlton Heston. There was a lot more to the man called Moses. Number one in your notes, Moses was born of a man from the tribe of Levi who had married a Levite woman during the time of the oppression of the Hebrews from Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I love the fact that we don't even know really who Moses' parents are. They are an unknown. And, and you might be sitting here tonight going, you know, God only uses real people that are credentialed and, and they have a name for themselves and there's a reputation. No, sir, no, ma'am. God uses whoever will make themselves available and whoever will have a willing heart to serve him for what he's calling them to so Moses was born of a man from the tribe of Levi. We only know what tribe he was from. We don't know his name. Uh, we don't know the name of his mother. But number two, Moses was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter and raised in the palaces of Egypt. If you remember during this oppression, they would say all the male Hebrew children kill them, kill them at birth. As soon as they are born in their life, snuff them out. And the, the midwives would not do that. Um, and, and they would have an excuse. And, and I think that's a whole other lesson for another time. But that's when you fear God instead of fearing man. And that's when you have a culture of honoring life 
instead of throwing it away like you do your garbage. Um, the Hebrew women knew how to honor life, and so they let those Hebrew boys live, and Moses lived because of that, and he was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, which I love that. I mean, that's just the ultimate stick-it-to-the-man story kind of thing. Um, not that we have that attitude. That's somebody else. But um, number three, Moses would be the one who would deliver Israel from Egyptian bondage. He would also, at God's direction, help to establish the civil, ceremonial, and covenant laws of Israel. This guy was amazing. And he came, really, from an unknown family um, during a time of oppression. And so I just want to encourage you, if, if you feel an unknown tonight, if you feel like you're being oppressed or uh, like the, the world is just caving in on you, that's where amazing things come from. Because God uses the things that make no sense to confound the wisdom of the world. He wants them to understand it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit that things take place. And so Moses is definitely an example and a story of that. But not only did he deliver Israel from Egyptian bondage, not only did he lead them in the wilderness for 40 years, but he also set in place their laws, their ceremonies, and their covenant with God. Abraham had the first covenant and that carried through to what Moses taught the children of Israel. So it's just amazing to see how he systematized and put structure and infrastructure to what God had already given to Abraham. What did Moses do? Well, I think there are four things that Moses did well that I want to focus on tonight. This will be where we kind of camp a little bit. But when God chose to respond to the cries of his children in Egypt, he sent them a deliverer who truly knew how to intercede on behalf of a sinful people. Moses could be described as one of the most powerful intercessor found in pages of scripture. What characterized his intercession when he was praying for the Hebrew nation? I think it was these four things. You see them there in your notes. Number one, first of all, Moses was a great listener. His spiritual ears were always attentive to God's voice. The more he listened, the better he became at knowing not only God's will for the nation, but also God's heart toward the nation. And I think that's important. I don't think that you and I can stop short or should stop short of just knowing God. We want to know his heart. We want to know his ways. We don't want to just know his face. We want to know his ways. So Moses was a great listener. And I just want to encourage you, if you want to capture and captivate the heart of God, become a good listener. Practice. Even if you sit in silence for 30 minutes, just tell the Lord. I've done that before. I've like, Lord, I just want to hear your voice. I just want to listen. And I want you to know I'm listening. And I want me to know that I'm listening. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm doing this because I want to know you and I want you to speak to me. And you, you may not hear anything for a week, but one day, if you make that practice and you begin to pursue the Lord in that way, and he knows your heart, but he wants you to know your heart. If you're really serious, he'll begin to speak to you and he'll begin to open his heart to you. 
And he'll tell you his heart toward the things that he is revealing to you. It may be about your life. It may be about your neighborhood. It may be about your family. It may be about uh, the city you live in or the nation you live in. He may put a whole other people group or nation on your heart that he begins to reveal his heart to you about. I don't know what he's chosen for you. I just know it's exciting and it's an adventure. But you've got to start by being a good listener and setting yourself up for that. Secondly, Moses had tremendous faith. It's one thing to know God's will, but it's quite another to boldly act on it. Let me say that one more time. It's one thing to know God's will, because all of us, Lord, what's your will? What's your will? And we know the general will of God. It's outlined in the pages of Scripture. But many of us are wanting to know a specific will in an area or situation or circumstance we find ourselves in. But Sometimes God reveals that, and what do we do? We're like, well, okay, I know it, but we don't act on it. And, and he really only wants to reveal his will when he knows we're going to act in boldness. And in, it takes faith to act in boldness. Again, this marks a great quality of an intercessor. And let me just say this one more time. Anyone under the sound of my voice can become an intercessor. It's up to you and I to develop that gifting and to pursue the Lord in prayer. This marks the great quality of an intercessor, the boldness of heart to pray, to speak, and then even lead others to walk according to God's plan. That's really the role of an intercessor. You and I have the faith to act with boldness of heart in praying, speaking, and leading others to walk according to God's plan. Moses had tremendous faith. You and I can have tremendous faith, and we can be intercessors like him. Number three, third, he centered his appeals to God on the basis of God's own reputation. We see this in Abraham's life. When, when Abraham was talking to God about Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, Lord, this is not your character to just do away with the good and the bad at the same time. And Moses did the same thing as Abraham. Moses believed that if God did not complete what he initially intended to do, in delivering them from Egyptian bondage and oppression. Those who watched from the outside, from the viewpoint of neighboring nations, would question God's power and they would question his love. And Moses, God didn't ask Moses to be his public representative, but Moses was so concerned about God's character and how it would be seen by other nations. He said, Lord, you can't do this. This is against your nature. And how does he know God's nature? Because he spent time in his presence. He spent time talking to him. Time spent equals intimacy, equals knowing the heart of God, knowing the ways of God. And Moses did that. And again, it's, it's only out of our reach if we're not willing to pay or pray the sacrifice. We either pay the cost or we pray the cost. But you and I have some skin in the game. It's not all God. It's him moving on our heart and us yielding to him totally and completely. So he was a good listener. Moses had tremendous faith. He centered his prayers on the basis of God's reputation. And then number four, Moses was willing to identify himself with the obstinate people for whom he prayed. This takes humility on a large scale because many of us want to save our own neck. 
I want to save my own neck. I want to, I want to say, hey, I'm, I'm not included with that. That's what they did. I'm not a part of that. This is called identificational repentance. When you and I, even though we didn't do it, or it wasn't the intent or motive of our heart, but we identify with the people who were against God's will and his ways, and we cry out to God on their behalf, and we say, Lord, that was me too. Left up to my own devices, I would have done the same thing. And that's, that's huge humility. God had spoken of destroying the rebellious Hebrews and starting over with Moses. Does that sound familiar? Hmm. He, he said that to Noah. He said, I'm going to start up with you and your family. You're going to be a covenant. But what did he promise Noah? He said, I'll never do it again. And Moses knew that. And he said, Lord, you, you promised. You can't, you can't go back on your word. And, he, and in humility, he was willing to identify himself with the people of Israel. Yet Moses so loved both the people he was leading and the God against whom they had sinned that he was willing to stand in the gap between the two, staking his very life on the graciousness of God. That's a good question we can ask ourselves. Are we willing to stake our life on the graciousness of God? That's what true intercession is. When we know what's right and we pursue it at the expense of our own life. Wow. That, that may be why some are intercessors and some are not right there. That may be the deciding factor. Am I willing to lay down my life? Am I willing to stand in the gap and trust the graciousness of God? So Moses was a good listener, had tremendous faith, centered his prayers on God's reputation and he was willing to identify himself with the people for whom he prayed. How was prayer a priority in the life of Moses? Well, you have to look and read through the story as he led the children of Israel, as he would go to the tent of meeting, there was a tabernacle set up and there was a time when he would go and pray. We talked about that a little bit last uh, week when we talked about Joshua doing that overview of the Old Testament. Uh, where, where Moses would go in and talk with God, the cloud would descend and people would know that he was in God's presence and then he would leave and Joshua would stay at the doorway of the tent because he's like, this is where the good stuff is right here. I ain't going nowhere. And Moses would go and tell the people what he had seen or when Moses would go up on the mountain when he went to get the commandments at the very beginning as they're making their trek across, across the wilderness where he gets the 10 laws that Israel should abide by and follow and he comes down and he, he'd been in the presence of God his face was shining with the glory of God and yet he walks into a sinful camp and has to deal with the sin in the camp so to speak and guess what it's, it's quick to lose your glory when you're dealing with sin in the camp that's, that's all that I really have to say about that but he spent countless hours and then days in God's presence. Again, we don't understand because our life is so by the clock. We wake up at a certain time. We go to work at a certain time. We eat at a certain time. We drop our kids off at a certain time. We pick them up from soccer or school or piano lessons or we go to the doctor. Everything's by a clock. But back then it was by seasons and rhythms. 
So they had much more margin in their lives. And I'm telling you, you can live that way, but you're going to be different from everyone else. So you've got to be willing to be different if you're going to live a life of an intercessor. Because God may wake you up at one o'clock in the morning to pray for China. Or he may uh, get your attention at 3.30 in the afternoon to go to a certain place and, and pray for a certain person. Um, just like Ananias did with Saul. Um, we don't know because our schedule then becomes God's. We say, Lord, my schedule is yours. And Moses did that. He said, Lord, I'm leading these people, but I need your help. My schedule is yours. So he spent countless hours and days in God's presence. How was prayer a priority? Number two, he stood as an intercessor between God's wrath and the people of Israel. Several times, Moses had to step in the way and he held the snake up when um, the, the poisonous vipers were biting and they were dying. And he, he said, look, if you look to the snake, and again, that was a, I love Pastor Corey's um, session on typology, the series he did. That was a foreshadowing of Jesus hanging on the cross. And it wasn't, it wasn't Jesus on the cross, but it's, it's saying, hey, something like this is heading in the future. And it pointed toward a redemption from a current day thing that was happening just then. So Moses stood as an intercessor between God's wrath and the people of Israel. Again, Moses' life is so vast. There's so much to cover, but we just want to focus on prayer tonight. So as we look at this lesson and wrap it up tonight, number one, how, how can we apply this to our life, Christian life lessons? Number one, prayer unites us with the purposes of God and lays itself out to secure those purposes. So when you and I come before the Father and we're saying, and we do this on uh, Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, anytime we have a prayer meeting, our goal is not to come in with an agenda and say, this is what I'm gonna pray. Our goal is to say, Lord, what's on your heart? That's what we want to pray in this prayer meeting. We wanna hear what you're saying by the Holy Spirit and we wanna come into alignment and agreement with what you're saying about a topic, an issue, a season, an outreach, a, a people group, whatever that looks like. And we unite with the purpose of God, but then we say, and I'm willing to pay the price for it. I'm willing to lay down my life. Um, I remember one time the Lord gave me a prayer assignment for someone in our church. I won't share who it is because it, it really doesn't matter. Um, what matters was, was that I obeyed and I'm only telling you the time that I obeyed. Okay. So, um, so the Lord laid someone on my heart and they had just had a parent pass away. Um, that was huge in their life. I think it was their father, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I think it was their father. And the Lord said, I want you to go to this place and I want you to pray for them because they are having to give the biggest presentation of their life in front of other people in their career path. That's as far as I'm going to go with it. And I was like, well, Lord, I don't even know if I can get in there. He said, just, if you'll be obedient, I'll get you in. And I'll, and so I was like, okay. And this was one of the only time that I was able to go somewhere that I did not have authorized access, didn't have a badge, nothing. And for an hour and a half, I stood outside of the room without that person knowing. And I interceded for that person while they gave, knowing their heart was breaking on the inside, I was able to intercede for them for an hour and a half. They gave the most flawless presentation 
I've ever heard. And I was like, okay, Lord, am I done? He's like, yeah, you're done. You can go. And so I left. And he said, don't ever tell him. And I said, I won't. I don't, I don't need to. I'm just doing what you, and, and that's what I'm talking about with intercession. You're willing to allow your schedule to become God's schedule. You're, you're willing to not have any notoriety. Nobody knows your name because that's not important. It's God's name that's important. It's the name of Jesus that's important. But we have that obedient heart that walks and follows in humility. And I believe that's where power is released because it's not about me. It's about the Lord getting the glory and it's about his purposes in the earth being accomplished. So I align myself with his purposes and then I lay my life down to make sure they're fulfilled on my watch. Does that make sense? That's a huge sacrifice. Moses did that over and over and over and over and over as you read his story. And I bet if you'll go back and read his story after understanding that about Moses, you'll see intercession all over his life. It's like it'll stare back at you like a blinking red light. and You'll be like, how did I miss this before? Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see what you're saying to us through the life of Moses. So prayer unites us with the purposes of God and then lays itself out to secure those purposes. Number two, not only is prayer the source of supply and support. So many times we stop there. Well, I pray because I need something or I pray because I'm in a crisis, or I pray because there's an issue, or I pray because I'm in trouble. And we stop there with prayer. And saints, can I just tell you that I am praying over our church, I am praying over the big C church in the world, that we would have a higher view of prayer. It is not just get me out of a mess, like Pastor was talking about uh, just this past Sunday uh, of God being a janitor in the closet. He can do that. And he loves us so much that he will. But that's not the only thing he can do. And that's not the only thing he will do. He wants to do so much more. And so it's not just the source of supply and support. It is a compassionate conduit through which the pity and patience of God can flow. Now when I say pity, I don't mean, oh, you're so pitiful. I say the Lord pities us because he knows our frame. He knows we're just dust. Just as Abraham said in our last session, I'm just dust and ashes. How, how can I even talk to the one who created me? But he, with reverence, boldly approached the throne of grace. Even before that was a thing. I love, I love how the Bible begins to unfold and we begin to see all these things. But we need to view our prayer as support and supply, but a conduit through which the compassion and pity of God flows can I just say, I think one thing the church has lost in our praying for people, in our loving people, is we, we've lost our tears. I mean, we'll serve them, uh, and, and, but it's like, or, or we want to give them a word that is a corrective word, and there's anger in our eyes. And can I just say that those words need to be given with tears in our eyes and with brokenness? Because what if, what if that was me on the other side? receiving that corrective word. I would want compassion. I would want pity. I, I would want the patience of God to be felt in my heart to know that I'm still loved. I'm still part of the family. I'm still included in what he wants to do. And then finally, prayer restrains God's wrath, allowing mercy to rejoice against judgment. Aren't you thankful that prayer 
can withhold the wrath of God. And, and we're not changing God's mind. We're just agreeing with God because he really wants to be merciful. It's like when my kids mess up and they're so dang cute when they're little, not, not, not as much older, but much more little. And you're like, man, I don't want to punish this. And I just start kind of chuckling and laughing. And, but I, I mean, I need to deal with it if, if it's a rebellion issue or, or if it goes, goes over the line. But I think God's kind of that way with us. He's like, I, I've got so much for you. You don't need to do this. And he's, he might be even chuckling to himself. I don't know. He didn't tell me if he did or not. But I just, I kind of see God as that loving father that I need to correct this, but I don't want to blow him away. I just want to bring them along. I want to show them there's a better way. You don't have to do this. You don't have to go there. Just follow me in obedience and I'll help you. Prayer restrains God's wrath, allowing mercy to rejoice against judgment. My prayer for you and for you that are watching online is that you would become the intercessor that God desires you to be for your family, for your workplace, for your neighborhood. Because he desires to cooperate with you and he desires for you to align yourself with him so that his purposes are accomplished and established through your prayers and through your obedience. Let me pray for us. Father, we need your touch. We see the life of Moses and as vast and as amazing, all the things he did as we look at his prayer life, Lord, it was just time spent, time spent with you. Time on purpose, time consistent, time that was significant. Because, Lord, he was not only leading himself, he had to lead a nation of people that you had called to bring them to a place of safety and of abundance. And, Lord, he didn't want to blow the mission. He wanted to please your heart and he wanted to deliver them safely. And so, Lord, he took on the role, not just of leader, but intercessor. Lord, I ask that you'd give us a heart for prayer and intercession, to be willing to lay down our lives to see your purposes established in our time in history, in this season of the calendar, especially before you return. Lord, may we not leave anything undone that you have desired for us. And Lord, we thank you that you're going to help us. You don't just leave us to our own devices, but you infill us with power from on high through the Holy Spirit. You give us wisdom through reading your word. And Lord, you draw close to us and your presence is a source of strength. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.